The Taliban and the Future of Afghanistan Update The Afghan President, Ashraf Ghani, has fled Afghanistan, handing over power to the Taliban. The U.S. originally assumed their Afghan satellite government would fall after their withdrawal, but placed its survival quite optimistically at two years after U.S. and NATO forces withdrew. By July 2021, as U.S. and NATO forces began exiting the country, the Taliban rapidly retook many parts of the country. The U.S. changed their prediction to six months. This six-month prediction seems to have also been a gross exaggeration, as less than one month after the prediction, President Ghani fled the country. Citizens of Afghanistan are fleeing to Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul to escape the country. Chaos has erupted as the Taliban entered Kabul, the final city held by government forces of the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. Soon, it would be changed to the IEA, or Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, under the rule of the Taliban. Gunshots can be heard as the Taliban encroaches upon the remaining strongholds of U.S., NATO, and Afghan government forces. President Biden rushed 5,000 troops to Kabul to evacuate the remaining American citizens and allies. Many have been calling this a Saigon moment. As of now, Taliban forces have entered the presidential palace, expecting a transition of power from the former Western puppet state. It is unclear what the future holds for the newly declared Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan. One of the lucky people to escape landed in New Delhi and had this to say. I can't believe, I can't believe the world abandoned Afghanistan. <laughs> Our friends are going to get killed. They're going to kill us. Our women are not going to have any more rights. And that's all. I can talk another day. The Taliban was never put down. After the U.S. invaded in 2001, they quickly were defeated and fled back into the mountains to resume what they were best at, ghost-like guerrilla warfare. I covered this in my previous episode, The Taliban in Afghanistan. Go and check it out as I give a more detailed account of the history of the Taliban, their creation, and the history of modern Afghanistan. The U.S. attempted to nation-build and spent years pouring money into Afghanistan to reshape its society. The U.S. failed because the U.S. had no clear sight or plan for Afghanistan. Pouring so much money into Afghanistan led to widespread corruption emerging all over the country, which created a gangrenous wound. The U.S.'s main failure came with their 2003 Iraq invasion. The Taliban at this time had been gravely wounded, and instead of finally finishing them, the U.S. decided to refocus their efforts on Saddam Hussein's WMDs and pulled their vital resources out of Afghanistan. The Taliban spent the next years rebuilding, and by 2009, they were once again a formidable force. They also gained mass support from the civilians of Afghanistan, who saw the corruption and decadence of their Western puppet Afghan government and the corruption and brutality of the Afghan-backed warlords that the U.S. allied with against the Taliban. Take this soldier's story on the matter. You're chasing, the rest of the time, you're, you're just you're chasing ghosts. I mean, it's the local populace. It's the people that's there. They've either, they'll, uh, they would chisel out holes in their mud huts and, you know, they saw Marines walking by, shoot a couple of rounds, hide their weapons. 
And this was this was every day. I mean, every every day of that deployment uh, was a firefight. Um, the civilian populace of Afghanistan was the Taliban. There were a few moments in my deployment where that sort of like the proverbial light bulb started to to blink. Um, and I remember like very clearly like one situation where I was. Uh, I was out with a squad, and we were just talk, talking to the locals, walking around with the Af our Afghan army counterparts, showing that presence, you know, within the community. And uh, we're in the middle of this field, and we started taking fire from not the first tree line, but we're in this field. There's a tree line, then there was another tree, then there was another field, and a tree line after that. Um, and they were firing at us from that tree line, um, that far one. And uh, what I could notice in between in the next field over was a farmer just kind of standing there. And he was standing between, you know, the group of Marines and the group firing at us. And uh, I had my interpreter with us, uh, Maddie, and I talked to the squad leader um, and I said, uh, hey, let's, we're gonna, we gotta bound up to that guy. We gotta see, you know, what the fuck is he doing there? Why is he in this field? Um, is he spotting for them? Is he telling, you know, we would get that a lot too. Uh, someone would just be on the lookout watching the Marines, you know, where they're going, positions, calling into uh, the fighters, and it would just be an easier ambush. Um, so I felt like that was what this guy was doing. I'm like, all right, this is, this guy's dirty. Uh, he's probably spotting for them. Uh, let's go up and talk to him, see what he's doing. So we're bounding up, you know, you're, you're dodging bullets. Uh, we finally make our way up to him, and he's like, kind of got this weird look on his face. He's smiling, and his eyes are kind of saggy. And I asked my I said, Maddie, uh, ask, ask this guy what he's doing here. I want to know why he's in this field right now, and you know, where's his weapon, essentially, because he's spotting. And Maddie talked to him, and he said a couple of things, answered, and he was smiling. And. Um, uh, Maddie turned back to me, and, and uh, I just remember him saying, uh, "Sir, he is high." And uh, I remember thinking, like, "What? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like this? That? So, so now I have a squad of Marines with me. There's 15 of us, and I just risked all their lives so I could ask this heroin addict." why he is in the middle of this field while bullets are flying by him. And that was just the reality of the situation. Like, this guy was stuck in Afghanistan, you know, digging holes in fields while a distant country is, you know, sending its military here to, to shoot at other people who live in your country. Uh, it was just a crazy... Uh, a crazy situation and I remember that sort of being the turning point f like for me like that really solidified my view on this war which was uh, w what are we doing like why are we here and why why am I risking my life and the lives of my men to uh, to to fix uh, a situation that isn't isn't broken for America at least uh, it's um, it just seems strange with all the problems that we have back home uh, to go risk our lives for uh, for people, for people like this. You know, this is
Starting on May 1st, 2021, as U.S. and Allied troops withdrew from Afghanistan, the 2021 Taliban offensive began. Within three months, the Taliban controlled a significant portion of the country, and by August 6th, they controlled 33 of Afghanistan's 34 provincial capitals. By August 10th, the Taliban controlled 65% of the country's area. The U.S., for a final time, grossly underestimated the Taliban by declaring on August 10th that Kabul could now fall between 30 to 90 days. It lasted another five. As of August 15th, the Taliban had reached the presidential palace of Kabul and were awaiting a transfer of power. As the world panics over Afghanistan, and more specifically its women, it should be noted that the U.S. enforcing a Western culture on the tribal Islamic Afghan people would be just as bizarre and unwanted as if Saudi Arabia came to America and forced their culture on us. It's common to see stories all over social media about the brutal treatment of Afghan women that they will soon experience. While this is true, again, there are things of all cultures that can be seen as brutal to others. For example, 85% of women in Sierra Leone have undergone female genital mutilation in order to keep them more pure. Female genital mutilation is the circumcision of women or cutting off their clitoris so that they don't feel sexual pleasure, something that is not covered in the news. If you think these brutal cultural acts are related to poverty, you can take the oil-rich Saudi Arabia, where women just got the right to vote in the 2015 elections and got the right to drive in 2018. Saudi Arabia's PPP, or Purchasing Power Parity, is close to that of the USA. Who are the Taliban? The Taliban, which stands for Students or Seekers, see themselves as the rightful rulers of Afghanistan. Before the US invasion of 2001, they controlled three-fourths of the country and ruled with Sharia law or Islamic law. This law is seen as brutal by outsiders, and it can be. For example, public beheadings and the subjugation of women. However, many preferred it to the warlords who ruled the other one-fourth of Afghanistan under their own arbitrary law. The Taliban today are estimated to have 200,000 fighters. The Taliban places vast restrictions on the many ethnic groups of the multi-ethnic state of Afghanistan. Afghan people do not have the right to express themselves freely. While the Taliban controlled Afghanistan, they banned activities and media, including paintings, photography, and movies, if they showed people or other living things, and prohibited music using instruments. The Taliban prevented women from attending school, banned women from working jobs outside of healthcare, male doctors were prohibited from seeing women, and required that women were accompanied by a male relative and wear a burqa at all times when in public. If women broke certain laws, they were publicly whipped or executed. Religious and ethnic minorities were heavily discriminated against during the Taliban's rule. According to the United Nations, the Taliban and their allies were responsible for 76% of Afghan civilian casualties in 2010 and 80% in 2011 and 12. The Taliban also engaged in cultural genocide, destroying numerous monuments, including the famous 1,500-year-old Buddha's Abamyan. Even more shocking than the final helicopter leaving Saigon were the videos that emerged on social media showing Afghani civilians storming the tarmac and grabbing onto the final airplanes as they lifted off. Videos can be seen of Afghani civilians grabbing onto the planes, many of whom fell to their death shortly after. The ones who didn't were sure to die from exposure to the elements. Those people clearly saw it preferable to life under the Taliban. Late Monday night, Hundreds of people remained trapped between American forces trying to push them out of the airport and Taliban forces trying to push them in. Witnesses said an Associated Press journalist 
also saw what appeared to be an airstrike target two vehicles near the airport. Shafi Arifi, a man who had a ticket to travel to Uzbekistan on Sunday, was unable to board his plane because it was packed with people who had raced across the tarmac and climbed aboard, with no police or airport staff in sight. Children were crying, women were shouting, young and old men were so angry and upset. No one could hear each other. There was no oxygen to breathe. After a woman fainted and was carried off the plane, Arifi gave up and returned home. The Future of Afghanistan The future of Afghanistan is uncertain. However, many on social media are over-exaggerating the depravity of the Taliban. They are not ISIS. They are not Al-Qaeda. They do not want a complete destruction of non-Muslims. They are a government formed around an Islamic doctrine, similar to Saudi Arabia, perhaps with a few more battle scars. Women will surely be subjugated under the strict indoctrination of Sharia law, but Sharia law is preferable to the Afghani people to no law or the arbitrary warlord law as seen in Afghanistan before the Taliban took over when the Mujahideen tribal warlords ruled the country. The Taliban is allowing foreigners to leave the country. They have allowed the Americans and NATO forces to leave the country. What they want is to rule Afghanistan with their interpretation of the Quran. To those who are now fleeing Afghanistan as refugees, Pakistan, Iran, and Turkey are the main areas for them to go. Pakistan's second largest ethnic group is the largest ethnic group of Afghanistan, the Pashtun, who ironically make up the majority of the Taliban and are the reason for the Taliban's existence. This common shared culture has caused Pakistan to host the majority of Afghani refugees. Over 1.4 million of them reside there today. Many of them were born and raised in Pakistan since the Soviet-Afghan war nearly 40 years before. After the removal of the Taliban regime in late 2001, around 4.4 million Afghans were repatriated through the UNHCR from Pakistan to Afghanistan. Members of the Taliban insurgents and their family reside among the Afghan refugees in Pakistan. The north of Afghanistan is virtually impossible to cross due to the massive Himalayan mountain range, limiting refugees from escaping from this region. On the other side of Afghanistan to the west is Iran. As of 2020, there were nearly 800,000 documented Afghan refugees and asylum seekers. Over 2 million undocumented Afghans are assumed to be in Iran. Iran has long been used by Afghans to reach Turkey and then the European Union, where they apply for political asylum. Turkey hosts the world's largest refugee population due to its proximity to Europe and its government policies, hosting 4 million refugees, including 3.5 million Syrians. The Erdogan government of Turkey invited mass Syrian refugees into the country for numerous reasons, which I cover in a podcast series I did on the Syrian civil war. But two of the main reasons the Erdogan government does this is one, for economic aid given by the West, and for its own selfish purposes of mixing down the Kurdish regions of Turkey. The Kurds constitute 20 to 25% of the Turkish population and have always tried to establish their own state. Allegedly, Erdogan of Turkey has gone into talks with President Biden over accepting more Afghan refugees for money. Many Afghan refugees find themselves trekking to Turkey to escape the Taliban, a trek of roughly 3,000 kilometers and across the country of Iran. Many border guards in Iran and Turkey will beat Afghan refugees have found. To be smuggled across this distance costs approximately $1,000. The European migrant crisis has been stabilized in the last five years. However, Afghans who constitute the third largest refugee group in Europe could create a new refugee crisis, destabilizing countries and leading to far-right nationalistic electoral victories.
This is not Saigon, USA Secretary of the State. You are correct, sir. This is much worse.